creek with no paddle, no aliens to battle where we want to go. Without being pompous, we don't need map or compass. We're launching Caddy Wampus on our new travel show. Space croutons, only go with us. Space croutons, on our podcast bus. Space croutons, we see you recognize. And in space, no one can hear you scream. Loopy from our earworms, space empty Well, toss the confetti and call this party surprised. It's me, Curdy Clammerwood, back again with a new season of Space Crouton. Still podcasting from Van Helsing, our refurbished studio in what used to be a dental examination vehicle of the Appalachian persuasion. Hello, listeners. I bet you're as shocked as I am to hear me again so soon after what I thought was the end of the story regarding the Kordax, the Dickensians, the Dissentients, talking plants and animals, and various heroic and scallywag-type human beings. But boy, was I wrong. Being wrong is all part of being human, Curdy, and I believe our listeners would agree. That's right, Podians. Your ears are not deceiving you. Sally is back as well to keep things on track. Sally, welcome back to Space Croutons. Thanks, Curdy, and I congratulate you on the new format for the show. Well, when the Kordaks were repossessed and their powers taken away, I have to admit we felt defeated. But come on, just look at what we got. Finding out that we can journey by more than land, sea, and air, reaching other planets, times, and dimensions, put an idea bunny in my brain, and it's been hopping around in my frontal cortex until I can't stand it anymore. It's like my dad used to say, You can't get there from here, but if you go back to where you started, you couldn't get here from there either, so what the heck do I know anyway? So, we are back for a new and exciting Space Croutons mission, regaling you with tales of time, space, and interdimensional adventures. A travel captain's log, if you will, of strange, new, and unusual places, unplaces, and who knows what, to broaden minds and hearts alike. And if you listeners have taken wing to explore these fresh and unexpected frontiers, please send your stories to share right here as we begin Space Croutons 2.0 Travel Scout Adventures. Okay, let's get started with a word from today's sponsor, an actual advertiser looking to make their name in the travel adventure business. Peer Portals for Mere Mortals. It's a time revolution and a space evolution and a brand new way to travel. We'll map your destination to your dream location as space and time unravel. Peer portals for near mortals. Once in future, near and far. Peer portals for mere mortals. We're travel agents to the stars. That's peer portals for mere mortals. Just tell them Bevsford sent you. That's right, folks. Bevsford, with a silent T, has expanded his business from England to encompass the world and more with Peer Portals for Mere Mortals Travel Agency. And in the interest of full disclosure, they are partnering with us at Space Croutons to put on this show. So patronize them whenever and wherever you can.
Now, on to today's adventure. A timely time travel story from Pete, who is an occasional listener and first-time contributor with Picture Day's Day Trip. Roll it, Sally! Nobody said I would have a wonderful time. There was no loud and cheery TV ad featuring a crowd of laughing faces to entice me to book a trip today. No, it was just an old sepia-toned photo staring at me from the coffee table book displayed open to page 117, where it sat on the new arrivals table at my favorite bookstore, Rock of Pages. Three men with smudged faces, dressed in dirty work clothes and perched side by side on an old velvet sofa. A small girl in overalls stretched out across their laps, all of them with tired yet happy smiles, not on their lips but in their eyes. The girl, looking to be about ten years old, and two of the men were complete strangers to me. But the third man, the one on the right, that's what got my attention. While technically he was also a stranger to me because I had no idea where or why the picture was taken, I had to wonder about it all because that third man looked like me. Holding my breath, I stared at the page for what seemed like hours, probably just a minute or so, until a voice from over my shoulder said, Looks like you're going to take a trip. Or, I mean, you're going to have already taken a trip. I mean, that is you, right? The Rock of Pages sales associate in a green sweater and charcoal gray pants pointed at the picture. Nodding after seeing my confusion, she continued. I know, it does get convoluted. It's still so new, right? But the picture says it all. You are going to go somewhere, or more correctly, sometime. Stymied by her words and the confidence in her voice, I could only sputter. What? I know. It's hard to wrap your head around all the new who's, what's, when's, where's, and how's. I am having a heck of a time doing it, and I was a journalism major. I mean, those are in my wheelhouse, right? Not waiting for an answer, she continued on a rhetorical roll. Best decision we ever made, putting that book on display. It's called Picture Days, and the author gathered all these photos from time travel trips. I mean, since we've been able to confirm inter-time and dimensional travel through those crazy traffic circles and other portals, that book is flying off the shelf, figuratively. I mean, sure, we can travel through time and to other dimensions, but we all know that books can't really fly, right? I thought the pause might just be for a breath, but as the silence grew, I felt compelled to say something. What? I repeated. I assume you'll want to purchase the book, what with your photo in it and all. She grabbed the tome and headed for the checkout counter. Will that be cash or charge? She called over her shoulder. Wait, uh, uh, still muddled, I found myself opening my wallet, pulling out my credit card and offering it to her. But how do you know that that's me? I mean, it can't be, can it? In one motion, she plopped the book, still open, on the counter facing me, flipped to the next page, and pointed to a list of names indicating the four subjects of the photo. See? Pictured from left to right, holding an unnamed girl, R.S. Simonov, G. Kulish, and... She paused to present the front of my credit card. P. as in Pete Mosley, just like on your American Express. Now... I have to say, I've not paid much attention to this whole time and dimension travel craze that's sweeping the country and the world, I guess, since the discoveries made on your Space Crouton show last year. I stay pretty busy in my job as an online corporate trainer. It's my 
turn to roll the die. You always get to roll. That's a lie. I never get to roll. Would one of you please just do it? Come on. Ripley needs a new pair of shoes. Dang it. Wait, uh, is this thing on? Shazbot, turn it off. And in my personal life, as caretaker to my aging parents, a middle sibling to my two brothers and one sister, and as one half of an on-again, off-again, currently on, relationship with Hilda, who also has a busy life, so she understands and seems satisfied with just how limited our time together can be. So where would I fit something as inconsequential as travel, space, or time-wise? As I pondered this, Lorna, assuming her name tag was accurate, rang up the purchase and pointed to the transaction terminal for me to sign. Bon voyage, or is it welcome back? (laughs) She laughed. I mean, from the pic, it looks like you're going to have had a great adventure. She slipped the book into a plastic sack, handed it to me, and I walked out of the bookstore into the late afternoon sun. As I reached my car and buckled in, but before I turned the engine over, my cell rang. A British voice identified himself as Bevsford. A grand good morrow to you. Am I speaking to Mr. Mosley? Ah, it's Mosley. Ah, yes. The tea is silent, as it should be. Actually, there's no tea. It's just Mosley. Oh, there most certainly is a tea. You've just never heard it pronounced. No matter. I'm calling about your excursion. It has been booked through our Peer Portals for Mere Mortals travel agency. And this is just a friendly reminder that you will soon have embarked on a journey that you will have described as, and I quote, an adventure of a lifetime front to back and back to front again. Can I ask you a question, Mr. Besford? I was trying to wrap my head around the situation, even if not convinced that it was really real. Also silent. (laughs) You say I have an excursion booked through your agency, so how come I don't recall booking any excursion? Maybe somebody else booked it and you've got me confused with them? No, no, sir. You booked it all right, just not yet. You can locate your ticket in your boot. In my boot? I don't wear boots. Oh, yes, I believe you Americans refer to it as a car trunk. And just how did my ticket get there? So it's not there now? Oh, it's there. Now is beside the point. So how do I retrieve it? (sighs) Bevsford sighed heavily, implying that he had had to explain this a million times before. You can retrieve it by following the instructions that I will be giving you when you come in to place the ticket order. (sighs) Now I sighed heavily, but for a different reason. And what are those instructions, if I may ask? His voice rose in pitch and tension. Was he gritting his teeth on the other end of the call? By simply entering an agency-approved time portal, circumnavigating the infinity route completely, and then, voila, the ticket. And how do I find this agency-approved time portal? A ding from my phone interrupted the conversation, and I checked the screen. My GPS had been activated. When I opened the app, my GPS, now using Besford voice, said, and take a right. Continue one half mile to the spit spot 
car wash and enter for a complimentary Super Soaker Figure 8 wash and dry. Be sure to specify your preferred car scent. Cherry vanilla, I believe you will say. And once the powder dryers have deactivated, just open the the trunk. Please follow these instructions to a silent T to ensure a successful car wash and ticket acquisition. I spoke back into the phone. And what if I don't follow the instructions? In unison, the GPS and the phone call Besfords responded. But you will do so. You are doing so. So you did. The phone call disconnected, and with nothing else to stop me, I put the car into drive and followed the GPS instructions to a silent T. The spit spot wash and dry went just as Besford said, and sure enough, as the power dryer cycled off, I opened the trunk, and there was the ticket. It was labeled Tunguska, June 1908. I guess I am going to have gone on a trip, I sighed, trying the vernacular for the first time. I suppose I should have immediately looked up Tunguska on the web, but as I thought this excursion was going to begin sometime after next Tuesday, I put it off, thinking that tomorrow or the next day would be good for that, as my head would be clearer, and I would have a chance to look through picture days thoroughly for any other clues to this whole thing. The following morning, when my alarm woke me at six, I crawled out of bed, stripped my night clothes off into the laundry hamper, and glided into the shower, closing the glass door behind me. I reached to turn on the water and pivoted right for soap and then around to the left for my washcloth as the water warmed and steam rose, clouding the stall. I put my face up to the spray, shut my eyes and luxuriated in the moment, and then pulled my head back to wipe my face with the cloth and became immediately aware that the water was now freezing cold and my toes were tangled in what felt like silt and plants. I opened my eyes to find I was standing naked under what was now a waterfall in the middle of a river, in the middle of who knows where. Whether from the shock of this transition or just being clumsy, I slipped in the muck and slid down the current through some rocks, just trying to keep my head above water for about 50 feet. I reached a spot with a rapid slope, and I was able to breaststroke over to the left bank, gasping and sputtering, grasping a stony outcrop to steady myself. My eyes were still water-clouded, and I was coughing up some of what I had swallowed when a hand reached down into my line of vision and I grabbed it. With surprising strength, I was pulled from the river and onto a sandy little beach, bruised and drenched like a waterlogged rat. (laughs) After several deep breaths, I looked up from the ground at the concerned face of a man about my age, draped partially in shadow as the sun was behind his head. As my lungs began to relax, I nodded my head and said, Thank you for your help. He looked along the riverbank to his left and right, then back at me curiously. Where are your clothes? This instantly made me aware of my exposed state, and as I curled up tight, I shook my head. I, uh, I don't know, he nodded. Do you live around here? No, I don't think so, I paused. Where is here, exactly? Well, (laughs) I just pulled you out of the Tungusta River. I squinted as a shiver went up my spine and looked closer at my rescuer's face, now recognizable as the face of one of the men from the picture. It would appear that the adventure had begun. Choking back a gasp, I said, And the Tunguska River, where is that exactly? 
He reached down and started rubbing my head. Oh, he announced as I pulled back, wincing loudly. You've got quite a nice bump on the noggin there. Special souvenir from Tungusta for our visitor. (laughs) He laughed as he pulled off his long hanging over shirt and handed it to me. I was so thankful that it provided the proper coverage that I did not mind the slightly musky odor of its owner on a beautiful summer's day by the Tunguska River. Uh, Thank you again. Um, uh, I'm sorry. I'm Pete. I dropped and smoothed the shirt over my torso. Ah, your name you remember. That's good. Great to meet you, Pete. I'm Sergey. Sergey Semenov. He slapped my shoulder as we both stood up. I found his enthusiasm infectious. Semenov? Is that Russian? He laughed. <laughs> you joke. You must be feeling better. Of course it's Russian. And it better be, since we're in Russia. Yes? <laughs> I nodded. Yes, of course, it had better be. (laughs) I laughed too, gingerly touching the knot on my head. Come, my new friend. We will go to my house, get you properly dressed. My farm is just over the hill there. He pointed up a well-worn path headed away from the river. Then we shall go to our nearby village of Anavaro. On the way, you should tell me all about where you're from and how you ended up here in such a state. The farmhouse was simple and clean, and I thankfully put on the pants, shoes, and fresh shirt that Sergei brought out from the back bedroom. He spent a few minutes dabbing at my head, making sure there was no dirt or debris to infect the wound, and then we were off to Vena Vera. Just down the road a bit. As we walked, I felt our footsteps settle into a common stride, and it was me who first broke the muted rhythm with my voice. I have to say, Sergei, I am relieved and surprised that you speak English so well. He pulled up short and turned to stare at me in concerned silence, and I stopped too. Then after a long moment, he pointed at me. Oh, now I see you're joking with me. (laughs) At first I thought you were serious, which of course would mean that your concussion is worse than I thought. Or that you're going crazy. But now I see that you're pulling my leg. Very funny, my friend. Another slap on the shoulder, and he continued walking. But, Sergei, you are speaking English, right? I mean, I just heard you do it. Pete, well, I've heard of England and America as well. I've never learned nor spoken English in my life. I live in... He paused for me to finish the sentence. Russia? And so I speak... Russian? As do you, my friend. Me? Speaking Russian? But how? Very well, I would say. I've not yet determined your unusual regional pronunciation. It's one I've not heard before. I don't know where in Russia you're from, but you're certainly not from here. But I am speaking English. Seriously. And yet, I'm hearing you speaking our beloved Tsar Nicholas tongue. Fascinating. Perhaps you to your head and scramble something in your brain? <laughs> His body shook with glee. By now, we had reached the edge of Vanavera, and with other people around, this debate would have to wait. But it was all I could do to keep from shouting, Stop pranking me! When Sergei led me through the door of the Vanavera trading post, which was adorned above with signage I could very clearly see, was lettered in English. Coming into the dark of the store from the early morning brightness, I became aware of the presence of others. Behind the counter was the proprietor with rolled-up sleeves and a leather apron. He was attending to the needs of another man. Sergei approached the customer with a smile and a wave, and as he turned, my eyes adjusted well enough for me to recognize the man who sat in the middle of the sofa, next to me in the photo. Gregor, it's good to see you, my friend. Don't tell me there is school this morning. I heard Sergei declare loudly. Gregor smiled and nodded. No, no. I just need to pick up some flour and tobacco before heading to my temporary shift at the meteorological station in Kurensk. That sounds like an impressive side job for a new school teacher. We must not let them steal you away. 
But let me introduce you to someone. A visitor. Just a bit crazy, but a good man all the same. Sergei then gestured for me to join them, and I did. Gregor, this is Pete. Pete, meet the smartest man in all of Siberia. Gregor, who will be educating our children starting in September. With a smile, Gregor offered his hand, and we shook firmly. I am new here myself, and I sense we are going to be great friends, Peter. As Gregor gripped my hand tighter, the glass flower jar perched on the counter began to rattle and clink, and then dance across the surface propelled by a steadily growing vibration that was taking over the roof. The jar lid bounced off the top and crashed to the floor, followed by the jar itself as a distant roar reached our ears. There was yelling from outside the trading post as both vibration and roar grew in size and strength. Sergei, Gregor, and I bolted to the front door in unison, stepping outside to see what the commotion was all about. Looking up, we saw the sky split into two by a great light, and high above the trees, the whole northern part of the horizon appeared to burn with fire. I felt a great heat as if my shirt had ignited. Then there was a loud bang in the sky and a mighty crash, and I was thrown a good twenty feet from the trading post porch, momentarily losing any sense of up or down. The crash was followed by a noise like stones falling from the sky or guns firing. The earth continued to tremble, and with another flash of light, the sky opened and a hot wind, as if from a cannon, blew past the village buildings from the north. It flattened shrubs and other plants, including the garden bed of onions where I had landed next to a water trough. I could hear glass panes in the windows being blown out, and the sound of doors and shutters being wrenched from their hinges. The water in the trough was churning and splashing my face as I peeked over the edge. As I wiped my eyes, I looked toward where the event was originating, and I saw someone walking slowly out of the forest at the edge of the village, bathed in light but appearing unaffected by the heat, the wind, or the seismic activity surrounding us. And as I squinted at them, I instinctively stopped breathing as I recognized the fourth figure in the picture from page 117, that of a small girl in overalls looking directly back at me. And that's it. My trip ended as instantly as it had begun, as the next thing I knew I was flailing about underwater, struggling to the surface, gasping for air as I heard the piercing tone of a whistle being blown very near my ear, and a hand grabbing me under the arm and pulling me out of the water. I'm very sorry, sir, a voice announced loudly. But to use the pool, you must wear a bathing suit. Those are the rules. I felt a towel being pulled around my waist as my right wrist was being wrenched behind me, and I was shuffled through the door of the men's dressing room at what I now recognized as the community pool five blocks down the road from my place. No charges were filed, but I've been banned for a year from the facility. As for my excursion, I'm not sure about anything that happened but I suspect that it's not over as I have not yet sat for the aforementioned photo. I mean, I have, but just not yet. You get my drift. And as for your new show format, built around promoting these new time, space, and dimension travel experiences, I want to add my sadder but wiser voice to warn others to think twice about their expectations and safety before haphazardly choosing to put themselves in harm's way just because they can. These travel agents will tell you all will be fine, but how do they know? Oh, and also, make sure you know about where or when you're going, or at least read up about something like the Tunguska event right away. Because if you don't like the trip, you can't sue for your money back from something that happened over a hundred years ago. 
It's past the statute of limitations. Well, how was that for a first foray into this new world of which we are living? I say go ahead and launch those billionaires into space. Let them deal with the aliens. I'd rather time travel any day. <laughs> what say you, Sally? I say many things, Curdy, in dozens of spoken, written and signed languages depending on with whom I am speaking. And we wouldn't have it any other way, Sally. Okay, listeners, we appreciate your time and support, and we will be back soon with another horizon-expanding episode of Space Croutons 2.0 Travel Scout Adventures. And remember to reach for the stars and beyond in your own lives and keep peace in your hearts until our next story time. So when we leave the station For each time or space Vacation You won't wanna miss it If you do, well, you can kiss it. Space Crouton, season 2.0. Space Crouton brings new worlds to know. Space Crouton, subatomic and you glow. As we cruise the Milky Way by tractor beam. And the Kordaks are just a distant dream. Space Croutons is a work of original fiction. Similarities to persons, situations, or events, real or fictional, is coincidental and unintentional. Created and written by Jerry, Jace, John, Della, and Jeff Goodson. Episode story by Jeff. Original music and production by Jeff. Featuring the voice talents of Barry Shea, John, Jerry, Della, Jeff, and Sally. Entire work copyright 2021 by Jeff, John, Jerry, Della, and Jace Goodson. This has been a Good Witch audio production.